Gun Talk at your fingertips anytime, day or night at GunTalk.com and GunTalkTV.com. The latest guns, gear, reviews, interviews, and news. Don't miss a thing and sign up for the newsletter at GunTalk.com for bonus giveaways and more. All right, we're back with you. Tom Gresham here. It's Gun Talk. If you want to join us, give me a call, 866-TALK-GUN. Pretty easy. One of the things we've seen over the last uh, two years now, uh, lots of people buying guns. Lots of people buying their first gun. Over the last two years, probably 10 to 12 million people bought the first gun they've ever owned in their lives. The interesting part of that is the breakdown demographically of that. We have uh, probably half of those people looks like are coming in as women, an awful lot of minorities, a lot of black people, a lot of people who previously may not have owned guns and looked at the situation, looked at the news, looked at their neighborhoods and just said, you know, honey, we, we might want to get a gun to protect ourselves. While we applaud that and that it's good that people are taking responsibility for their own safety, it also is a, a place where you say, okay, well, these people need training. These people need some information, at least. One of the groups that's basically popped up with that in mind and doing some really interesting things are, are the National African American Gun Association. We're joined by the president, Philip Smith. Philip, thank you so much for being with us. Hey, thanks for being here. Really excited to you, talk to you today. You bet. Okay, well, I mean, you, you heard the intro. We've got all these new people and an awful lot of black people buying their first gun. I mean, and, and clearly, an awful lot of black people have had guns for years and, you know, experience with guns and hunting and sure. self-defense and all the rest of it. I guess the, the big open-ended question is, you know, what is the National African American Gun Association? What do you guys do? We really focus on really two issues. We take our folks, and most of them are newbies, to your point, your intro, your intro 70% of our folks that are joining are what we call newbies, never shot a gun, first time even putting a gun in their hand. And we train them over safety, training, safety, back and forth, and we really just focus on that as the 90% of our, our focus. Secondly, we have them learn about their local and national gun laws. We think it's very, very important uh -huh. if you have a gun at home, you need to know what your local laws are. Can you carry a gun in your, in your car? Can you open carry versus concealed carry? Um, if someone breaks in your house, do you have the right to defend yourself? All those good things. So those are the two areas we really, really focus on uh, with our membership. Well, you know, <laughs> the obvious comment was, well, that's no different from what you teach anybody else, is it? When it comes to training, there is no real difference. Uh, you know, training is training. Fundamentals are fundamentals. Right. I versus Weaver, all that good stuff is, is exactly the same. Okay. Uh, having said that, it would yes. be it would be sophomoric. It would be silly <laughs> to pretend that there's no difference here. And I mean, we have the. I'm going to drive you right into it. The Philando Castile uh, issue, if you will. Of, sure. A black man with a concealed carry permit who gets stopped by a police officer. He's reaching to show him his permit. The policeman shoots him seven times and kills him. Yeah. And now it's that whole deal. Okay. And and I, look, I've done this for 20 years. Is What do you do during a traffic stop? And it doesn't matter whether you're black or white, but maybe it does. Where do you come in on that? Well, it, if you look at the data, the conversations, the what you see visually or what you feel in your gut, Put all that together, and I'm 63, um, and everyone has a different experience. I want to make say that first and foremost. Um, but my experience has been that there is a slight difference in terms of how I am received when it comes to law enforcement. Not all the time, but some of the time. And I think for some of those cases, um, law enforcement might have 
and I, let me say this, we have a lot of law enforcement that's in our organization. We have over 2,000 policemen that are chapter presidents, mm-hmm. they're regional directors, I mean, they, the whole nine yards. So I want to sure. make sure no one thinks I'm trying to beat up on the law enforcement, law enforcement officers because they'll, they'll come and beat me up here myself because they know where I live. <laughs> um, <laughs> but having said that, um, there are some issues out there that we need to be honest with as a, as a, as a community not to demonize anyone or not to, you know, lay blame, so to speak, on one side or the other, but we just need to make sure that stuff like that doesn't happen again. Uh, unfortunately, with, with Philando Castillo, he was a good guy, well-liked well by his, 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 law, his, um, his folks around his neighborhood, well-liked at his job, good family guy, a father, you know, all those things that we, you want to have somebody like that living next door to you. But he was, he was shot and killed, and in our view, we can never let that happen again. So we need to have some honest discussions on how can we prevent that happening mm-hmm. with anybody, regardless of their color, and, and moving forward. And, and we have those conversations. And I've been doing that conversation for a long time of, you know, in a traffic stop, what do you do? Okay. Yeah, Don't do yeah. the things that you would normally do. Don't be reaching for your wallet, you know, hands on the wheel, assume it's a felony stop. And the way I've explained it, honestly, uh, Philip, is, look, in a traffic stop, this is a dangerous situation, you know, and I've had people say, oh, well, no, you know, and yeah, actually it is. This is a dangerous situation. The officer does not know what he or she is dealing with and anything you can do to help this situation where it's just, you know, officer, how would you like to proceed? You know, I've got my hands up here, you know, uh, you know, my, yeah, we, we call that my license is, when, when the law enforcement officer comes up to you, we call it 10 to your feet, your hands on the steering wheel. At where with the number on on the clock ten and oh, two, and hold your hand right. still and say, "Hey, officer, how you doing? What do you want me to do?" And don't move until he or she instructs yes. you uh, what and, to do. And, and typically, what we find is that when the officer sees that you're compliant, there's a there's a relaxing of the interaction, uh, and they'll tell good. you, "Hey, very slowly, reach for your your glove compartment, get your stuff out of that, and then hand it over to him." Typically, right. if you do it, that, um, there's there's no issues. And if and and move slowly and talk and and if there's something in the glove compartment you think is going to startle them, let them know before you open the glove compartment. You know that oh, kind absolutely. of thing. If, and if you, if definitely, <laughs> if you have a firearm in your glove compartment, please let yeah. her know. Say, hey, officer, I've got a gun in the glove compartment. I will. I don't feel comfortable doing that. What should I do? And don't move until he or she you directs bet. you. Good. Yeah. So, all right. Question for you: um, Is there any difference in the reasons? that African-Americans are buying guns as opposed to anybody else these days? I, th- I think there is. And it, it's, it's very subtle nuance, but it, it is a difference. Um, when you look at our community for a long time, for whatever reason, and we can go into that and talk to, about this forever, we have been told, suggested, nudged into not buying guns in our community. So you have hmm. generations of, of our older folks, especially, that look at guns and say, you know, Phil, I'm, I'm never going to get a gun because I get these conversations every day. So what we do at, at NAGA, we sit down and we re-educate those folks that are considering uh, about buying a gun or have bought a gun, and we let them know that it's okay. It's part of your Second Amendment rights. You know, our ancestors died for this, um, mm-hmm. and you have the right to buy a gun. And we really kind of re-educate them, re-indoctrinate them on hmm. what the Second Amendment is, buying a gun, you know, taking care of it, keeping it locked at home, all that good stuff. So we have our hands full when they come in, in, in the door. And our folks have been coming in the door in droves, thousands and thousands and, and millions, quite honestly, are buying wow. guns right now. So we're trying to take that and say, okay, this is a, a teaching moment for everyone, especially our folks. Let's make sure that they're 
taught properly. We always have a certified instructor, either NRA, USCCA on hand. Um, so they are always given proper instruction. We have safety briefings before anyone even touches a gun. And we've never had any instances uh, nationwide, mm-hmm. I mean, knock on wood, based on that, um, because we're extremely right. careful. You just can't walk into our organization to our range day without us knowing you and grab a gun and start shooting. That, that's not going to happen. Question for you then. Thinking about this, um, is there a an opportunity, or do you foresee any kind of shift in the political landscape if we have more African Americans buying guns and getting training and having guns for self defense from the standpoint of you know, pushes for gun control and restrictions? Yeah, that's a that's a big question. We've been, we've been talking about that probably the last six months. I mean, really in depth because what's happening. And I'll be very transparent um, with mm-hmm. you and your listeners. Um, most black folks vote Democratic. I think I don't think that's a big secret. Everybody well, knows sure. that. Sure. Yeah, we we, we know what, that. Yeah, right. Right. So what's happening with you, these new gun owners that are coming in the millions? When and we try to stay out of the political arena. We're not to the left or right. We have Republicans, Democrats, everyone, Libertarians in our organization, all over the place. So we avoid you know taking sides on anything, but we will back Second Amendment policy. Um, but getting back to your question. What we try to do, uh, what, what's going on is that when folks buy a gun and they hear someone on TV, regardless of what side that person uh, politically is, and they're saying those bad gun people, well, that's one of you. That's one of me. That's one of, you know, yeah, I'm not a bad it's, gun guy. Yeah, I've got a gun at home. I'm not, yeah. I'm not going they, up they, and down the street terrorizing. I, you know, I'm not running right. to Walmart you know, scaring folks. Um, so then there's a question, and that's what I call the beauty of the organization. You're allowed to start thinking. And you can start questioning what's going on, and I think that's a good thing. It doesn't mean you're going to sway, get swayed one way or the other. But sure. I know I've owned a gun for the last seven years, and prior to that, when when and especially coming from California, when someone told me about guns, I kind of like that's not good. But now that I have a gun for the last seven years, and when someone says anti-gun statement, I, then I say, well, where do you get where do you get that from? Because I've had a chance to be educated on what firearms aren't and are. And that's what's happening to our organization. So I do think eventually, um, if not now already, you're starting to see a lot of our folks really think through certain uh, perspectives from a political standpoint. And I think that's always good. You should always challenge yourself and challenge those around you when it comes to statements, particularly when it comes to the Second Amendment. You bet. All right. So tell me about your new magazine. Yeah, Caliber, C-A-L-I-B-R, spelled incorrectly uh, on purpose. <laughs> it has yeah. been fantastic. We've sold over... I think 50,000 copies already in a, in a month and a half. It was a, a huge success at SHOT Show. We had lines uh, all day long, people getting the magazine. We were just giving the magazine away at that, at that point. But mm-hmm. it is very positive, very refreshing, and it shows not only the gun lifestyle, but it talks about outdoor activities for the African-American community. We talk about hiking, camping, mm-hmm. hunting, because we believe even if you're not a quote-unquote gun person, if you look at our magazine, you're going to find something that you like about it. You like about it. We have articles on food. We have articles on travel. We have articles on clothing trends uh, for the ladies. We have all this good stuff that really takes you not only to the farms, but far beyond that as it applies to being outside. And that's the focus, being outside as a family, doing stuff, fishing, that kids and families need to do, and we believe is the best activity um, that a family can do um, being together outside. So that's the focus that of, the, of the magazine, and it's been well received. I mean, literally every gun manufacturer that you and I can think of, um, I've gotten calls from the CEO, 
VP of Marketing, Global uh, Marketing Director, St. Philip. We love the magazine. We want to buy, <laughs> you know, 800 copies. Right. You know, this, it's been great. Fabulous. It's been very all right, so the best place for people to get all the information of the website, naaga.co, right? Yes, sir. NAGA, obviously, with a, a little wink and a nod and a little play, having a little fun with that, National Association <laughs> of African-American Gun Owners. We get we get that. Okay, we see what's going on here. Congratulations <laughs> on the success. Me, and look, you're than me. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. Uh, thank you for what you're doing, and it is wonderful. And look, uh, the, the door is always open. If you got some news and want to share or just uh, swap stories, you're always welcome back here, okay? God bless you guys, and thank you for the time and, and, and uh, having me talk to your you and your listeners. Thank you. Absolutely. Take care, fellow. Appreciate that. He's president of the National African American Gun Association, N-A-H-E-A dot C-O. All right. Now we are open lines, 866-TALK-GUN. Gun Talk will return. Celebrating 75 years of innovation wasn't enough for Timney Triggers. Timney decided to go big and introduce a game-changing Alpha Competition Series trigger for handguns, a first for the company. Currently available for Glock Gen 3s, 4s, and 5s, these new triggers offer a 3-pound trigger weight and crisp trigger brake designed to keep you on target. And like all Timney Triggers, are easy to install and come with a lifetime warranty. Find out more at TimneyTriggers.com. Enter Gun Talk's Good Guy Giveaway for your chance to be the good guy in our hit series, First Person Defender. We'll fly you to the Gun Talk headquarters in Louisiana to be featured in your own episode. Plus, you'll receive your own one-on-one personal training with top firearms trainer Chris Serino and more. To enter, head over to guntalk.com win and be sure to share with your friends for additional entries. The Mossberg 590S Pump Action Shotgun Series offers the ultimate in shooting flexibility, cycling inch and three quarters, two and three quarter inch, and three inch shells in any combination with any load, dual extractors, twin action bars, positive steel to steel lockup, and an anti-jam elevator provide smooth operation of the 590S. Available in three different models, the choice is yours. Find your next defensive shotgun at Mossberg.com. Hey, welcome back to Gun Talk. Tom Gresham here, 866-TALK-GUN. Um, oh, let's go grab Tom. He's in o- Omaha, Nebraska, on line 5. 10 millimeter. What you looking at here, Tom? Well, I was looking at an uh, Arms Corps 10 millimeter with a threaded barrel. Do you have any experience with that company? or did they? I, I do they... not. Have you, have you ever had one of their guns? Uh, no, I've never bought one. Uh, the one I want is not available, really, but I uh, got it on order with uh, Palmetto, so maybe which, one day it'll show up. Are we talking uh, a pistol or a carbine? No, it's a, it's a pistol. Okay. Like a 19 woman. All right, so, but threaded barrel, so you're, you're going to put a can on it? Yeah, well, I hope so. <laughs> well, of course, that always brings up the question of if you put a silencer on your pistol, you're going to replace the sights with silencers? Real high silencer sights? 
I don't know. I don't know what, what kind of sights it's got on it right now. Because generally speaking, the uh, suppressor on a pistol is kind of fat. And you're actually, we, regular sights look right into the back of the can. So you can't see the target when you're looking through the sight. So that's why they make these higher sights, uh, rear and, and front sight. So they look up over the top of the suppressor. You can see. I didn't know if you. Uh, I didn't know if you had any experience with suppressors on pistols before. Well, I've got a couple guns with this with uh, suppressors. I mean, you know, I have suppressors. Right. So. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, you I know, just don't I, know. I, I, I just don't know about the Arms Corps Company. I mean, I I know they're around and they've been around for a long time. And. And I have to admit, I have. I don't. Think I have any experience with their guns, and uh, I would let you know if I did. I just don't. It's one of those. I, I think I've handled an awful lot of guns, but uh, then I get reminded sometimes. Yeah, you haven't handled all of them. That's for sure. So uh, let's do this. If you get this gun in, you get a chance to shoot it. Then you give us a call, and you can tell us about it. How's that? That'll be great. Okay, I appreciate that. Good luck with that. Ten millimeter pistols. Um, well, I was just telling somebody writing about this that it's not niche anymore. The 10 millimeter, no, 20 years ago, that was very niche. When we did our first gun talk gun with Kimber, uh, there were a few handguns being made, but not many. And then we did one with SIG, did another 10 millimeter pistol. And that was more popular. And then, of course, the one we're doing currently with Ruger coming out of their custom shop, the 1911 Commander in 10 millimeter. And, and now, you look around the marketplace, and practically everybody's making tents. Um, Springfield Armory, uh, Smith & Wesson, SIG, uh, Glock, of course. Is there anybody making pistols who's not chambering tin these days? It's kind of amazing when you think about it. Yeah, Springfield Armory, yeah. They've got, uh, well, they've got the 1911, which they've had, and now they have the, uh, the XD or XDM in 10, both in full-size and compact size for 10. I actually bought one of their full-size ones. My idea there was for a woods gun. Uh, you know, when I walk around the mountains out here, we got literally, we don't have tigers, but we've got uh, lions and bears and wolves. And a 10 is not a bad choice. Glock has had their 10 out for a long time. It just is too big for my hands. I've got kind of stubby little fingers and I can't wrap around the double stack 10 millimeter Glock Model 20. It just doesn't work for me. And then when Springfield brought theirs out, the grip, it's the weirdest thing. It may not actually measure a lot thinner, but it feels a lot thinner. It just doesn't take very much difference in a grip on a pistol to feel quite different. And so I like the feel of that and it's I can't remember, it's 15 or 16 rounds. I thought, man, that's great. And then, of course, like two years later, we're thinking, what are we going to do for our next gun talk gun? I said, 10 millimeter. And talking to Ruger, and they said, well, you know, we could do a commander. I said, oh, that'd be great. So we ended up doing an all-steel commander, and it's a great pistol. And frankly, that became my woods gun. Um, and yes, it's nine shots versus 16. If I had to... You know, it's one of those deals. If you had to take on a bear or a wolf or a mountain lion, it's going to be over one way or the other before you get to nine shots. Either he's chewing on you or he's more than likely he's run away at that point, probably hit. Uh, hope to never have to do that. 
And I know people will say, well, you know, the 10 millimeter isn't all that powerful. Well, I guess everything's relative. Um, with the right loads, it's not bad. Uh, would I want it against a Grizzly? No. I mean, it would be ooh, somewhere less than marginal on a Grizzly. I mean, I would want a 44 Magnum or a 454 Casual, you know, in a revolver if I could. But you get into the whole question of what are you willing to carry? What? Everything's a compromise. All of our carry guns, for heaven's sakes, are compromises. There are times when I will carry a 380. There are times when I'm going to carry a, a 38 revolver, snubby. And then there are times when I'll carry a full-size 1911, either in uh, 45 or 10. I've even carried a 1911 in 9. Most of the time, my compromise position for my regular EDC, everyday carry EDC, is a subcompact or micro 9 of one of the persuasions, a SIG, uh, a Smith, a Springfield, you know, it could be a Hellcat, could be a Shield, could be the P365. And somebody was asking me the other day online, says, well, you know, which one would you carry for this? And I said, look, I'm the wrong guy to ask. Because the nature of the job of what I do here, I work with a lot of different companies, and we get to try all their different guns, and I and a lot of different holsters, and I get to try different things. You're a lot better off picking one and just mastering it and staying with it. Um, the way I go about it, I could make the argument that it's completely wrong. I mean, don't don't do as I do, do as I say. In this case, which is the usually the opposite. Okay, uh, but uh, you know, it's like okay, Tom, you're switching guns all the time. Yeah, I know. It's but now to be fair, I do shoot a lot and I handle guns a lot, and I'm pretty comfortable switching guns. Um, not perfect for everybody. But it does give me some basis for comparison. We'll even talk about holsters a little bit later on in the show today. Leather versus Kydex. Where do you come in on that question? 866-TALK-GUN. All right, news of the day. Uh, we just learned in the last couple of days that uh, President Joe Biden will nominate or has nominated the next Supreme Court Justice, uh, her name is Katanji Brown Jackson, obviously a liberal uh, nominee. As they say, elections have consequences. You know, we were replacing Breyer, basically a liberal for a liberal, won't really change the makeup of the current court in terms of ideology. I read an interesting point or a piece that said it's possible that by going far left with the nominee, this could actually push the court more to the right. You know, and this is in the whole reading tea leaves deal, okay? But, um, I mean, who knows? I think this nominee will sail right through. I don't think there's going to be anything that's going to stop her from becoming a Supreme Court justice. I don't know, you know, you get what you get, and presidents get to select. Uh, Donald Trump gave us three new Supreme Court justices, and that's why we have the makeup we have now, and that's why we're trying to get as many good gun cases before the Supreme Court as we can while it has the current balance, if you will. And we'll see what happens there. It'll be, be kind of interesting. It's, uh, in a minute, I want to talk about 
some of the media coverage of self-defense cases, there's a couple of famous ones that they keep getting wrong, not by accident, just because they lie. But we'll talk about that in just a second. First, I want to pick up Keith. He's on one out of Ohio. Keith, welcome to Gun Talk. What kind of uh, range report do you have here? Well, I have a scientific range report for you. Fabulous. Okay. Uh, I took a class with Steve Tarante. Oh, wow. So He is the real deal. You think? <laughs> we did a lot of we went with a lot, a lot of force on force with uh, training knives, handkerchiefs, sticks, and I had bruises from my elbow down to my fingertips. But uh, I learned an awful lot in, in, in his book. Uh, the uh, your mind is the most powerful weapon is right. It's like cliff notes for self defense. Unbelievable. I, I honestly think anybody who has any interest at all in self-defense needs to get Steve Tarani's books, T-A-R-A-N-I. They are fabulous, and they will go a long way toward helping you not get into a situation where you actually have to use force to get yourself out of it. So why did you take this class with Steve in the first place? Well, we were at the NRA convention, and uh, they had a free open class, and we walked in and sat down, and there he was. We listened to him for a while, and then we had to sign up for his class of missions. It's been like two years now. And it's, uh, uh, he's one of those interesting guys. That, don't don't you find he's kind of a quiet guy? I mean, he's a he's, he's a large guy, absolutely. Yeah, he's a big guy, but he's quiet. Yes, he is. <laughs> he's, he's not, you know, he's not, you know. But the other thing is, he's big, but he is faster than a striking rattlesnake. He is unbelievable. Well. He had to slow down to, to Mach 1 for us to watch what he was doing. <laughs> yeah, because you have no idea what he just did. No. No, next thing you know, he's behind me. I go, well, how'd that happen? Yeah. How did this huge guy move that fast, and how does he have me down on the ground? Holy cow. Yeah. yeah. I'll tell you, anybody who has a chance to take his class, it'll be money well spent. Well, and he's a fun guy. I mean, he's a really good guy. He's a fun guy. He also does a really good job of teaching firearms, but he teaches all this other stuff. Uh, I, I did right. five days with him at Gunsight on a close quarters battle uh, class. Same deal. It's kind of like, holy mo- You know what my big takeaway was? Be really afraid of a guy with a knife. Oh, well, I was a, uh, on the trauma team at one of the inner city hospitals here in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. And uh, I saw a lot of knife wounds. And people do not realize how deadly a knife wound is. Mm. Yeah, and how fast it can happen. And frankly, how well trained some of these bad guys are at this stuff, too. Well, when you sit right, in so prison and have nothing else to do, that's what you do. That's it. It's graduate school. So tell me about the Rock River Compact AR here. Okay, now this is the competition model. Okay, all right. This gun has everything. It's a fabulous muzzle brake on it. The, the lower receiver is built to take Glock magazines and, like, the ETS mags and stuff like that. All the controls are perfect. The trigger pull is incredible. And at 50 yards, I'm putting bullets, one hole in the other. Nine millimeter? Yes, ma'am, sir. Okay, cool. All right, and I see in the notes here something about STI. What, what's that about? Oh... I have I have my eye on an STI for a while, the 2011. And right. It, it's you wouldn't call that a bottom shelf gun. You know they're kind of expensive. And yeah. Finally, they put it on sale, and I bought it, and I got a chance to compete with it. And um, 
I shot last year at Camp Perry at the uh, pistol pop-ups, mm-hmm. and I, I cleaned the course with that pistol, and it's <laughs> like no effort. Robbie Lathan says that a 1911 9 millimeter is almost cheating. This pistol mm-hmm. is cheating. Yeah, I mean, it really is. And STI, of course, makes some of the finest 1911s on the market anywhere. Yes, they're pricey. But yeah, it, once you get there, you're going to, I can't believe I waited so long, and these are fabulous. But, yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. A really high-quality 1911 in 9mm may be the most fun pistol you can shoot, honestly. Oh, I shoot that for PPC, too, a uh, uh, 9mm 1911. And uh, like you said, if you buy something cheap, you cry it every time you use it. If you buy a good one, you only cry once. Buy once, cry once. There you go. Keith, thank you so much for the uh, range report. I appreciate that. And I echo the sentiments that Steve Tarani is truly one of the good guys. I love having him on the show here and spending five days with him in in class where he was kind enough not to hurt me too bad. Man, that was fun. All right, quick break here, 866-TALK-GUN. Thomas, don't go anywhere. We're going to get to you, but we do have room for, heck, everybody else. Everybody call it once. 866-TALK-GUN. Introducing the new R7 Mako, a high-capacity polymer frame striker-fired microcompact from Kimber. Here's a taste of what you get. 12 and 14 round total capacity with the 11 and 13 round magazines. The performance carry trigger with the smooth pull and clean break you'd expect of a single action handgun. Optics ready or optics installed, Kimber's R7 Mako will feed your appetite for something different. See how at r7mako.com. Mental health and guns. At Walk the Talk America, we're working with both the mental health community and the gun industry. Created by a gun industry veteran, Walk the Talk America seeks to raise awareness and create change through suicide prevention and firearm safety without legislation. We strive to eliminate the prejudice that firearms and mental health face. For more information and to support Walk the Talk America, please visit walkthetalkamerica.org. Ruger's Security 9 Everyday Carry and Self-Defense Pistol is compact for easy concealment, fits in a variety of holsters, and offers a textured grip frame for a secure and comfortable grip. The trigger features a short, smooth pull, clean break, and positive reset. Available in full-size, compact, and pro-model configurations, the Ruger Security 9 is a defender's choice. Find yours at Ruger.com. That's Ruger.com. All right, back with the 866-TALK-GUN. That'll get you in here. Let's go talk with Thomas. He's out of Bakersfield, California. Talk about a, an older caliber, if you will. Hey, Thomas, you're on. Hi, Tom. Uh, yeah, I was wondering, whatever happened to uh, 38 Super? I have a few uh, Spanish versions, and well, I guess they call it Largo, but it's all 9 by 23 so mm-hmm. uh, uh Three Spanish ones, two Astros, and one Superstar, which is actually the Astro is actually a Browning 1921, or almost the same. But well, and so I, how did how did you get into do how how did you get into your interest in 38 Supers in the first place? You know, I'm not sure. It was uh, it was the 
the uh, Spanish stuff that uh, the Astra, I picked those up back in the 90s when they were all mm-hmm. over a flush in the market. And uh, I picked up a couple of those, and, and then it just went from there. I picked up a uh, bold-action carbine. They call it Destroyer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, well, you know, and, and for those who don't know, the 38 Super is uh, it's a semi-auto. It's a cartridge for a semi-auto. It is mm-hmm. more powerful than the 9. It was kind of designed originally, I think, in the 1920s. The idea was to be able to shoot through car bodies, automobile bodies back then. Yeah. You know, yeah. it, it did was, that. It, it, was, it, that and it was in competition with a, uh, the 357. Yes. Exactly. It was kind of the semi-automatic version of the 357. Exactly. In fact, I'm looking at some of the ballistics on it. 110 grain bullet doing 1,400 feet per second. Uh, it just, you know, and they used it in um, I, uh, USPSA, I, uh, ISPC, IPSC shooting for a while. Rob Latham and Ryan Enos uh, played around with them a good bit at the time, uh, making uh, their power factors with them and all, but I just, I don't know about you, I just don't see anybody talking about it or any guns being brought out for the Super, or 38 Super these days at all. Yeah, uh, the the two modern pistols I have, one's a, uh, it's a, uh, a Bull uh, M5 from mm-hmm. Israel, double set polymer 1911, and of all things, a uh, P220 SIG. Oh, interesting. Now, look, you know, I just thought of something I hadn't thought of in a while. I, and I may be wrong on this, just something mm-hmm. I picked up somewhere. I think these things were popular uh, in South American countries where the laws did not allow you to have a military cartridge, which would be a 9 millimeter uh, Luger. So a yeah. lot of people had this. Yeah, it's kind of non-NATO, but... Right. Uh, okay. Yeah, uh... Oh, uh, have you ever shot one of those bulls? The uh, I have not. I've heard, no, I've heard of them, but I've never had a chance to shoot one. Uh, how do you like yours? I, oh, it's excellent. It's uh, fitted by gunsmiths. Uh, I, what I did is I, I bought one frame and two slides, one in 45 ACP and then one in 38 Super. But oh, in okay. shipping, it got the checkering on the front strap got dinged up, mm-hmm. and uh, they couldn't take it back without having to redo the paperwork. So instead, they just sent me a, uh, another frame and a whole parts kit of plus extras. <laughs> <laughs> so I, 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 built, I built two frames when I thought I was just getting a conversion kit. So Well, that's pretty cool. You end up with, with two pistols out of the deal. Look, i got to keep scooting here, Tom, so I appreciate the call. I hadn't thought about the 38 Super in, in quite a while. Let's see. Do I have time to get one more in here, Jim? I think I do. Yeah, let's grab Steve on three. Steve, out of Ballantine or Ballantine, Montana, 22 Magnum. What are you thinking? Well, okay, I... I ran across, I actually found a, a small small amount of uh, 22 mag that I've had for a while. And so my question is, I guess I've, I've I asked about it, why does no one, apparently what Savage makes a rifle with that semi-automatic, why does no one want to make an AR in a 22 mag? There actually are some uh, uppers 
that people make, not well known, but if you do a just a regular old internet search search for 22WMR AR15, you will find some out there. They're you know not mainline; they're smaller, but there are some. Are they reliable? You think? I don't know. I've never had one. Um, it'd be kind of cool. I mean, you know. Th- you kind of have gotten to the heart of the issue is can you find ammo for it? I mean, look, I'm crazy enough to where I bought a rifle in the last couple of years chambered in the five millimeter Remington Magnum, which was a competitor to the 22 Magnum five, 20 or no, 40 years ago now. So lots of luck finding ammo for that, right? Right, right. But, so, you know, like I said, I've been up here in Montana, I've been seeing the ammo on the smaller caliber stuff like that, it's coming down in price. It's nowhere's where you could buy a brick for eight bucks. You know, that them days right. are long gone. Yes. But, uh, but yeah, I, I'd love to get an AR or, you know, an AR, you know, if I had, I guess, convert one, which I didn't know you could do that. So I know they're converting them to 22 long rifle, but I didn't know they had a mag out there. Yeah. Take a so, look. Uh, do a little poking around. I'm, I'm looking and I just did that. I'm finding all sorts of uh, 22 Magnum AR uppers. I have no idea how reliable they are, but at least it's worth a search. Look, I appreciate the call, sir. I got to keep rolling you here. Bet. Thank you. Uh, you bet. Thank you. I hadn't thought of that in a while. Uh, and I do like the 22 Magnum cartridge, by the way. It's uh, it's definitely a step up from the rimfire. Let's see. Um, Michael. Let's grab Michael uh, in Baton Rouge on four. Hey, Michael. Hey, Tom. So I picked what up, you got? Uh, I threw kind of caution to the wind, and I picked yep. up a... Uh, 10 millimeter Nighthawk um, government 1911 with a long slide on it. Ooh, nice. I love Nighthawk's guns. Wow. Tom, I'm, I'm ruined. I'm ruined. <laughs> and you know, you know the, you... The, the crazy thing is, I mean, everybody says, you know, ah, 10 millimeter, it's such a snappy round in this. It's not. It's actually I don't think really, so. really pleasant. I think a really a good, well-designed, quality uh, 1911, like the Nighthawk or like the uh, GT25, our pistol, uh, just doesn't kick that much and, and handles really well. And, and look, I apologize, Michael. I ended up uh, short-sheeting you on the deal here. I don't have enough time to, to get into this. But I do want people to know the Nighthawk Custom makes really good stuff. They're up in uh, northern Arkansas. Uh, really good stuff. In fact, I took one of their 9 millimeters to gun site. When I did the 1911 class, I used a different 1911 each day for five days because we did it on the 100th anniversary of the 1911 pistol. Yeah, I'm that goofy. I'm, I'm that gun geek. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, the 10 millimeter only lasts a half a day. I didn't want to shoot that one all day. 866-TALK-GUN. We're back. We're going to be talking right now to, let's see, James out of Eastern Arizona. Hey, on five. Hey, James, what you been shooting? Hey, Tom. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you were talking about the, the 38 Super Bowl ago. I've got a friend back in Oklahoma that's got a, uh, a 9 by 23 He won at an Ipsic match. Okay. And every time I see ammo for that, I call him up and say, hey, you need this. <laughs> I know how rare it is. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. But, the uh, no, what I, this past week I had an interesting experience. I went out and um, I've had a, a Winchester Defender shotgun I kept around the house for defense mm-hmm. for years and years, but I'd never patterned it. And I okay. took it out and I'm I measured off you know five, ten, fifteen, and clear out to thirty yards. 
right. and started shooting this thing with the double-up buck. And what an eye-opening experience that was. How so? Uh, well, it just, the, the patterns were not uh, anything what I had expected, what I had, what I had preconceived in my mind. Uh, and, and I guess my point is, for your listeners out there, if they have a shotgun that they're keeping around the house, take it out and pattern it. Know where the where the pattern's going to be at fifteen yards or five yards, for that matter. Well, well what, what, uh, what, did, what happened here that surprised you? Okay, so you were surprised well, how tight it was. I mean, and we talk about it all, all the time where. People think, oh, yeah, a shotgun's just going to fill the room with shot. And I always tell people, look, no. at 10 feet, you can cover the pattern with your hand. Yeah, at, at, at 10 feet, well, at, at 5 yards at 15 feet, I had a 3-inch three three inch pattern. Um, at, um, let's see, at 10 yards, I went to 10 yards, and that went up to 6 inches. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, like I said, it was just, you know, we're talking... The distance across a, a large living room, that's a pretty tight group. It doesn't what choke, fill the room, what, like you said. What what choke is in that uh, no, gun? It's, it's a, uh, it's a, um, a full cylinder. cylinder. Okay, uh, so it's no choke at yeah, all. It's, it's just it's wide a, open. No choke at all. No, it's wide open. It's a, it's an, it's a Defender, Winchester Defender with a, I think it's an 18 and a half inch barrel. So what did so, you come away you know, from doing that What's your take? How does it change how you might use that, or maybe how you equip that gun? Keep a rifle handy. Why? <laughs> um, where I live out here, the uh, the ranges are are far far more than than that. Okay. All right. You're, you're beyond shotgun. Yeah, where, where, where I was yeah. going, and where I would suggest to people is. Once you discover how tight the pattern is on a defensive shotgun with no choke at all, I'm going to suggest everybody put a set of sights on their gun or maybe put a red dot on their shotgun because the reality is it's more like a rifle. I mean, it hits really hard, and that's what a shotgun does very well, but it does not spray shot out. It does not make it easier to hit your target. You're, you're shooting a pattern roughly the size of your hand at anything that's realistic uh, ranges. And to do that, to use it effectively, you've got to have a set of sights. Yeah. And I, and I also realized that at 30 yards, at 90 feet, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I, that's not the gun to have by, by no stretch no. of the imagination, is it? Yeah, because the pattern no, that, is so big, you're only going to have two or three pellets on, on target. Yeah. That's when you go to no. a slug, or as you say, that's when you go to your rifle. So look, hey, look, I appreciate you sharing that info because it's a, a lot of people, I, I, no, most people never go out and pattern their defensive shotguns with slugs. It's not fun to shoot slugs. There's recoil there. But if you do it, it is the eye opener of all time because you're going, holy cow, that's a tiny little pattern. And I'm going to actually have to aim. I mean, when we go to shotgun schools, defensive shotgun schools, we actually make shots around a hostage taker. Uh, you know, to, from the hostage and hit the hostage take where you only have like a half a head target. And if you know what you're doing with a defensive shotgun, you can make that shot. Hey, when we come back, we're going to talk about leather, holsters, and how the media is getting it all wrong on the anniversary of the Trayvon Martin George Zimmerman shoot. <laughs> 